0: Let's pray. Dear Lord, you are the giver of life. We come expectantly today. How are we to best live for you? Bless Pastor Steve as he, with the guidance of the Holy Spirit, explains these words of life to us. And may we leave voicing these words. Sing them over again to me, wonderful words of life. Let me more of their beauty see. Wonderful words of life. Words of life and beauty. Teach me faith and beauty. Beautiful words, wonderful words. Wonderful words of life. Beautiful words, wonderful words. Wonderful words of life. Amen.
1: Today we're going to continue our series on the book of Nehemiah. To give us a quick recap, Nehemiah was called to help rebuild the walls, but also not only rebuild the walls, but renew the people's commitment to the Lord, back towards God. They had, had kind of strayed away from him, and, and, and he's trying to bring them back, uh, perhaps following uh, the law the way that they should. And what we saw and what we've seen is, is that the surrounding nations, in fact, all of the surrounding nations around Jerusalem, didn't want the walls rebuilt. We saw also, though, that internally, inside the walls of Jerusalem, there was, there was problems among the people as, as there were those inside the city, inside the community, the Jewish community that were taking advantage and really acting just like all the surrounding nations. They had forgotten what the law said about caring for their brother and their sister. As we continue in Nehemiah, once again Nehemiah faces some different types of attacks in opposition from what we would now know as the usual suspects of a guy named Sanballat and someone named Geshem. But here in this chapter, we're gonna find out something different, that there is a distraction and opposition coming from a place that we might not expect. So let's head to Nehemiah chapter six and we're gonna, that'll be page 387 in the Black Bibles, if you grab them from underneath the seat in front of you. Students, if you have your Bibles with you, that'll be on page 570. And the words will also be on the screen. When word came to Sanballat, Tobiah, Geshem the Arab, and the rest of our enemies that I had rebuilt the wall and not a gap was left in it, though up to that time I had not set the doors and its gates, Sanballat and Geshem sent me this message. Come, let us meet together in one of the villages on the plain of Ono." But they were scheming to harm me, so I sent messengers to them with this reply, I am carrying on a great project and cannot go down. Why should the work stop while I leave it and go down to you? Four times they sent me the same message, and each time I gave them the same answer. Then the fifth time Cenabalus sent his aid to me with the same message and in his hand was an unsealed letter in which was written, it is reported among the nations, and Geshem says it is true, that you and the Jews are plotting to revolt and therefore you are building the wall. Moreover, according to these reports, you are about to become their king and even have appointed prophets to make this proclamation about you in Jerusalem There is a a king in Judah. Now this report will get back to the king, so come, let us meet together. I sent him this reply. Nothing like what you are saying is happening. You are just making it up out of your own head. They were all trying to frighten us, thinking their hands will get too weak for the work and it will not be completed. But I prayed, now strengthen my hands. One day I went to the house of Shemiah, son of Deliah, the son of Mehebel, who was shut in at his home. He said, let us meet in the house of God inside the temple and let us close the temple doors because men are coming to kill you. By night, they are coming to kill you. But I said, should a man like me run away or should someone like me go into the temple to save his life? I will not go. I realized that God had not sent him, but that he had prophesied against me because Tobiah and Sanballat had hired him. He had been hired to intimidate me so that I would commit sin by doing this, and then they would give me a bad name to discredit me. Remember Tobiah and Sanballat, my God. Because of what they have done, remember also the prophet Nodiah because how she and the rest of the prophets have been trying to intimidate me. So the wall was completed on the 25th of Elu in 52 days. When all our enemies heard about this, all the surrounding nations were afraid and lost their self-confidence because they realized that this work had been done with the help of our God. Also in those days, the nobles of Judah were sending many letters to Tobiah and replies from Tobiah kept coming to them. For many in Judah were under an oath to him, since he was the son-in-law to Shechaniah, son of Ariah, and his son, Jehonan. Uh, he had married the daughter of Meshulam, son of Berechiah. Moreover, they kept reporting to me his good deeds and then telling him what I said. And Tobiah sent letters to intimidate me. That's where we're going to end uh, this morning's Reading. I wonder, have any of you ever seen paintballing one person, two people, okay, there's more so years ago, uh, when Emily and I uh, were in Brookfield, Wisconsin, uh, I took some of the youth group paintballing or you could think of laser tag if 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 you know uh, what that's like and and when you have paintballing, you typically have two teams. You know, one team's over here with a certain color paint, uh, along with their their uh, paintball guns, and another team's over here. And there's different obstacles to get uh, hide behind and, and and different things. And and what you end up finding out is that it seems like attacks and paintballs come at you from every different Area. If you try to hide and, and stay in a corner, and then all your other teammates somehow are hit with paintball, all of a sudden you have three different sides or four different sides where people are trying to sneak up on you and, and, and get you. If you get pinned down in a certain area, like behind something, you're going to have people focus in, and all of a sudden you're going to have all these paintballs, all these attacks flying. Your way. Hey. Paintballing caught me thinking that that was a little bit, maybe the life that Nehemiah was experiencing. It seemed like these attacks, though he knew the usual subjects, Sanballat, Tobiah, Geshem, that they, they continued a relentless onslaught to, to try to distract Nehemiah from the call that was on his life. It was wave after wave or paintball after paintball coming his way. Never, never a moment to, to rest. And, and we see that this chapter is no different. We see that this chapter, there's, there's three different waves, you could say, of, of attacks that are coming his way. First, it's, it's this passage Is this gonna work? There we go. Sanballat and Geshem said, let's meet in one of the villages on the plains of Ono. At first glance, this probably seems pretty innocent. How many of you uh, leave the security and safety of your home to go meet someone else? If someone asks you, right? You'll, you'll generally, yeah, you know, let's, let's go meet at Arnie's or let's go meet at you know, wherever and we'll have coffee together and, and we'll meet. I'll come to your home. I'll, I'll go there. That, that's fine. But as innocent as this seems, it's not a very innocent request for Nehemiah. The reality of this request is that Sanballat and, and Geshem, as well as others, other surrounding nations, have been actively opposing Nehemiah. And they want to stop at nothing, and they will stop at nothing, to to see that the work is stopped. And if Nehemiah leaves, surely the work will somehow slow, but there's an even larger danger. For Nehemiah, walking along an open road to get to a different place, there is a danger in that in itself a danger that he may be kidnapped or he could be ambushed, that, that when he gets to this place on the village uh, or the, uh, on the plain of Ono, that, that Sanballat and Geshem would set up some type of ambush and attack and, and potentially kill Nehemiah. Or, and Nehemiah knew better to, to respond to Sanballat, to say, no, I will, I will not come to you. Coming to you and talking with, with you has nothing to do with the call that God has placed on my life to, to make sure that these walls are built and the gates are restored and the people are renewed. So he sends a message saying no. You know, the thing is, Sambalat really doesn't take no for an answer. Do you know any of those people? People that will consistently and insistently ask the same question over and over and over and over, until it perhaps breaks you down so that you will respond in, in the way that they want. Well, four times we see. Four times they sent me the same message and Nehemiah needed to respond four times. It reminds me of those telemarketing calls that you get the ones where they know you won't answer from one number, so they keep changing their number so it looks different, so it looks like a, a different call. And, and the ones that I get are always about my 18-year-old Honda Odyssey, and it says something like, your factory warranty is about to end. Make sure you do something to protect your investment. An investment on a 18-year-old vehicle. Uh, I, I don't know, I think they need to change Their tactic, and I think that's what we actually see that happens here as well. They change the tactic. It is reported among the nations, he gets this extra letter, and Geshem says it's true, so it must be true. This other nation that that wants Nehemiah's downfall, that you are planning a revolt and that you are going to be its king and that you set up prophets who are going to declare that there's a new kingdom in the nation of Judah. You know, the reality is, the people in Jerusalem probably would have liked that. They would have liked the idea of having a king of their own, of, of having someone within their midst that was was. Overseeing and governing the people rather than someone from the Persian Empire, a, a Persian king so far away, they would have really liked to have someone right in their midst that was a king and and actually, it seems like at times Nehemiah steps into the realm of the kings last week, we talked about how there was this discord and this uh, oppression within the walls where the leaders were taking advantage of the people. And Nehemiah went and reprimanded those leaders and he forgave debt. That's something a king would have done. A a king is the one who, who forgives debts and we see that Nehemiah does that same thing. So it would just take a prophet to declare him the king and then all of a sudden Jerusalem... The nation of Judah would have their own king. But Nehemiah really wants no part of that. He, he knows that he's likely not from, from the line of David, for one thing, but he, he knows that the call on his life from the Lord was, was not him to come down and be king. He, he was not distracted by this temptation of power in this nation. Instead, he says, I want no part of that. You're making it up on your own. This isn't happening. My purpose is to rebuild the walls and renew the people. That's it. And then there's this third attack. One day he went to the house of Shemiah, prophet. Let us meet in the house of God inside the temple and let us close the temple's doors because men are coming to kill you now if, if we went to first chronicles 24 which which we won't first Chronicles 24 verse 18 if, if this shemiah uh, is the same uh, guy that is in here the same uh, the son of deliah then Shemaiah was also a priest and a prophet Now, being a priest is rather an important thing because then what Shemiah is suggesting, let's go to the temple, go inside the temple, and close the doors. That's something that a priest is able to do. A priest is able to go into the temple. They are allowed by God to to go into the temple, but for Nehemiah, Nehemiah is not allowed to go in the temple. He's not a priest. He would be directly disobeying God's law by, by choosing for fear of his own safety, to go into the temple and close the door. He had no legitimate reason to go there. And it's rather quickly that Nehemiah realizes that. He realizes that Shemiah had been hired. He had been Hired, paid money to bring a message of intimidation. To have a a priest and prophet bring a message in direct disobedience to the word that that God had given earlier in the law of of who can go inside the temple. Your Nehemiah. Nehemiah had more respect for the temple. He had a reverence for the temple. He, he knew that the temple should, should not be used for some type of safety net. It shouldn't be used for some type of, you could almost say, political gain. If, if these other nations think he's gonna be king, he would desire to keep himself safe, but he's not gonna go down that route. Three times within 13 verses here, we see three different types of attacks and opposition that Nehemiah experienced. And and we know the the attacks and the opposition and the difficulty that has happened before from the same people and even from people within uh, the walls of Jerusalem themselves. And I don't know about you, but it makes me wonder, how did Nehemiah have such resolve How was he able to stand up and take blow after blow, attack after attack? How could he deal with opposition after opposition after opposition? What keeps him in a position where he can handle that and and maybe not have a mental breakdown and and not say, Lord, I don't want to deal with this anymore. I'm giving it back to you. And I think if we want to know what keeps Nehemiah rooted and grounded and and with the ability to to take on these attacks, I I think what we could do is compare Nehemiah to this prophet, this priest, Shemiah. Shemiah was willing to be influenced by another nation, He was willing to to sacrifice, perhaps, of his beliefs in order to to gain something. He was willing to to sacrifice and give uh, wrong counsel in order to to line his pockets with money. We see that Shemiah was willing to use his, if you say, outer public life, people knowing him as a man of God, people knowing him as a, a prophet, people knowing him as a priest, in order to, to deceive, using the, the position of power that he had been given by his birth and, and by his training, to, to knowingly and deceitfully lead Nehemiah down a path that would result in sin. Shemaiah, apparently the knowledge he had about God, the understanding of who God's, uh, what God's law was, was not enough. It was not enough for him. He he needed something more, and he was willing to be bought with a price. This guy looked the part. He looked exactly like a priest. He, He looked exactly like a prophet. But on the inside, we could say, perhaps his spiritual life was a mess. Willing to give it all up, just for a benefit. I I read uh, a book recently, uh, I'm in the process uh, of reading it. Uh, It's called uh, Ordering Your Private World, and private world really means a kind of spiritual life. the, The life that no one else sees, It's by the author Gordon MacDonald. He writes this. More than a few people can be fooled into thinking they are being influenced by a spiritual giant when in fact they are being manipulated by a dwarf. And Nehemiah can, can see this. He can see that this priest, this prophet, is not a spiritual giant. He's not following the Lord the way he's showing himself. And instead, he's been paid off, paid off to give him unwise counsel. The prophet's the manipulator. Now, if we put that to the side and we think about Nehemiah, we see something completely different. We witness in, in the pages of Nehemiah how he is living in a way to fully fulfill the call that God has called him to. To truly see that all of his efforts, that all of the things that he does is towards the direct call that God has given him. To, to rebuild the walls, to restore the gates, and to renew the people, and he's gonna direct all his life to make sure that happens. We witness how Nehemiah is is rooted in God by how often he prays to God. We saw it twice in this passage. Remember these people that try to to, uh, cause me to go the wrong way. Strengthen our hands, Lord, because they want our hands to become weak. And if you go back even further, his prayers in in the first chapter his prayers weeping over the people and the demise of the city his prayers as he's asking the the Persian king for the resources necessary to to fix this and, and, and the ability to actually leave his position time after time he 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 trusts in God and he and he prays to God that what God desires, he will actually do. Nehemiah Nehemiah has understanding of the law. Him hearing I could go in the temple, but recognizing, should a person like me go in the temple? And he he knows likely that scripture says, no. I I, I will not use the temple as something to to, uh, gain from. He's He's rooted in his life with God. A prayer life and and perhaps a life where he he knows the scriptures that he had been given. He's rooted enough to to know how many times God has been faithful, his continued faithfulness throughout generations as as he perhaps heard stories that his parents told them, Passed down from generation to generation how, how God led the people out of Egypt, how he he led them through the Red Sea, how he led them through the desert, how the Lord brought kings to oversee them and care for them, how God continually made effort to reach out to the people no matter how many times they had failed. Nehemiah being rooted and and grounded in what he knows about God and God's faithfulness allows him to face this opposition. It empowers him to to go through each day knowing that there there might be a a new letter from Shemiah there might be a new attack from some other place where we're not expecting it, and I'm pretty sure he was not expecting a man of the Lord to be used as a method of attack. And because he, he trusted the Lord, we see, oh, uh, we see what happens here in verse 16. When everything was done, when all the, the walls were built, when when the doors or the gates were set in their place, the enemies heard about it, and the surrounding nations were afraid. They they lost their self-confidence. I think this last part is so interesting. They realized that this work had been done, not out of their own strength, not because of a personal resolve, not because of a, a Dutch work ethic, or a Jewish work ethic, but because it was done with the, the help of the Lord. It was the Lord who was upholding them the entire time. It was Nehemiah who had trust in the Lord that no matter the amount of opposition, no, no matter the amount of tax, the, the Lord is going to make sure that what the Lord called him to do will will come to fruition, I think. I don't know about you, but in, in my life, I feel like I've experienced attacks from time to time. I could say spiritual attacks. I could say uh, I probably have not been attacked physically, so to speak, but spiritual attacks and obstacles keeping me from what I felt called to do, trying to distract me from, from where I feel called to go. And it can happen at any point during those 162 hours, 168 hours that that we live within each week. Maybe it's it's commitments or extra things that that happen to come up that seem good but they're not the the best for you and and they try to squeeze out those other things that are are really good that the Lord is calling you to do. Perhaps the the obstacles end up being confrontational people that you meet week in and week out or, or bullies in your school. Individuals who, who try to sabotage what you're working for. Individuals like Nehemiah trying to, uh, to give Nehemiah a bad name, trying to give you a bad name. Finances can be a place where, where you can feel attacked. You can feel attacked and, and, and maybe, maybe you feel that right now. There's this thing called inflation that I keep hearing about. Maybe you feel like that as an attack right now as... as your living expenses as as the the things that you pay for, the, the food and the shelter and the gas to get to work somehow are seeming to demand more of the budget and the other things that you feel called to do with the finances God has entrusted to you just seems to be squeezed out dollar by dollar, penny by penny. Emily and I had a, a time in our life where we felt like we had multiple attacks on us. Um, we were, we were uh, married within the first couple years. Uh, we were living in Wisconsin. And, and then with the matter of months, there was, there was three events that just, they felt draining and debilitating. We had a, a student in our youth group who committed suicide, the youth group that Emily was directly in charge of, knowing that a, a child, child of the Lord, decided to take her own life because she didn't feel like she had someone to talk to. And then Just a little bit later, as Emily was driving somewhere, uh, she was was hit and it totaled a car. And and a little bit later, the the house that we had bought uh, within the last year was, was burglarized while we were on vacation. Sometimes it seems like those attacks just keep coming and coming and coming and coming. They they try to, to break you down and if and if, if one thing doesn't break you then, then then maybe something else will. Maybe it'll be the next thing. Maybe it'll be a different type of attack that will, will wear you down and 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 take your faith life and cause you to, to no longer have trust in the Lord. The only way to weather all of these attacks is to be fully rooted in God. Following the example of Nehemiah, recognizing God's faithfulness in the past, even though in the moment, in that, in that direct moment, it doesn't seem like things are going very good. And I think the benefit that we have on top of uh, the example of Nehemiah is We know Christ. And unlike this prophet who came to deceive Nehemiah, Christ didn't come to deceive us. He was not bought with a price for his own advantage. Instead, he chose to buy us for a price. He chose to see a value in us that perhaps at times we don't even see in ourselves. To, to recognize that, that we are a child of God and that, that we are ones that need to be reunited with God. And it was through Christ, through his blood, that, that we are given freedom, freedom from, from sin, freedom with, from things that try to entangle us. Recognizing that, that our life is completely secure through the blood of Christ. And, and, he, and he says, you know, because he has died for us, he asks us to live for him in a way that, that honors him, that glorifies him, that trusts in what he has for us, that we would, we would be bound together in unity with other believers in Christ, and, and that being bound together with others, that we would be able to uphold one another when those attacks come. That, that when you feel hard-pressed by something happening in your life, that you are not experiencing it on your own, but that you have other believers that you are united with that you can go to for help. That you can have other believers that, you know, and here's the thing, that aren't going to say um, the spiritual platitudes that we like to think of. That when you're experiencing something bad and, and something difficult, like uh, I didn't ask you about this, but hey, I'm sorry your house got flooded, but I'm sure God has a reason, right? Or your cottage got, we, we, we don't need people to say spiritual platitudes like that. To say, oh, I'm sure God has a reason, I'm sure, that maybe there is in our mind a reason why that's good, but that is not helpful in the moment. That is not helpful for individuals who are encountering difficulty in the life to say, God surely has a reason. Oh, God needed another angel. Any of those types of things. Sometimes, the way God calls us to come alongside that are experiencing those spiritual attacks and those things that are debilitating in their life is just to sit with them, just to hear them tell the story, just to hear them speak of the difficulty that they're experiencing and and tell them, if you need anything, I'm right here. We're brothers and sisters in Christ, I love you and I would love to help you in whatever ways you desire to come alongside them, to to uphold them when they cannot uphold themselves, to allow them to, to get through whatever issue it is that they're experiencing. Help them continue to be rooted in Christ so that as we live, and as we live right now, even amidst the different things that, that we're experiencing that can be difficult, we live not as a, a Shemaya-like priest that looks like they have it all together, but their spiritual life is a complete mess. But instead, to, to live a life that we've been called to, to be a priest within our nation, to be a priest within our workplaces and schools, where we are actively taking those individuals that that we are with, those individuals that are experiencing difficulty and lifting them up to the Lord, saying things like, Lord strengthen their hands. Lord strengthen their body that they may get through this moment where it feels like it's being attacked. Lord, strengthen their resolve to get through this so that in in our living, in our, our focusing on Christ and who he is and what he's done in our life, we may faithfully live for God, that we may lovingly care for our neighbors, and that by that example, people would be pointed not to ourself, but that they would be pointed to Christ and who he is and, and what he could do in their life. You see, throughout our life and, and throughout the book of Nehemiah, God is, is writing this story, and, and we read about part of the story in, in verse 16, as, as the nations saw, They saw all the difficulty that those people went through, all the difficulty that Nehemiah experienced, and and he saw himself being devoted to the call and seeing the call that he had to its fruition, and the realization that the nations had was it was not done out of their own strength, but it was done by the power of God. In the same way in our life, We don't live out of our own strength, but we live out of the power of the Spirit that we celebrate every Pentecost. We live out of the Spirit's strength. I think that's why Paul could say that it was was God who was exalted in his weakness because in his weakness, when he is weak, he is strong. When we, are, when we are weak, we are relying entirely on the Spirit to get us through those moments. That maybe one day, and you know, to be honest, it might not be until that day when we are in glory, when, when God renews the, the heavens and the earth. Attacks might come so often that it doesn't feel like we get a break here in this world because it's Christ that calls us to suffer. But what we know is when that new earth and that new heaven come, that there will be no suffering, there will be no weeping, because we will be present right with Christ, and and it's there where, where we will recognize all of the ways that it was Christ's spirit, the spirit of God that was upholding us in all the different moments of our life just as it upheld Nehemiah here in this book that he could be devoted to a call amidst constant and persistent attack. Let us pray. Lord, we thank you like the song that we sang earlier that it's you who will hold us fast. It is it is your spirit that will be exalted when we recognize that we are weak. It is your power that is, is what, what causes us to have the, the resolve to recognize the call that you have called us to. To to live as your disciples. It's only through you that we have the power to love the people who, who are uh, extra love-required people. The people that make difficult for us to live. Help us to rely each and every day, each and every hour of the 168 during the week to live out of your power and not our own. It's in Christ's name that we pray. Amen. Let us again rise and body our spirit as we sing in response that Christ would work in us and through us uh, with Take My Life and Let It Be. <laughs> Take. true storm take myself Let us go with these words, uh, words of Paul in uh, 1 Thessalonians chapter 5. May God himself, the God of peace, sanctify you through and through. May your whole spirit, soul, and body be kept blameless at the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ. This is my favorite part. The one who calls you is faithful, and he will do it. Amen. Go in that peace to love and serve the Lord.